0: Father in heaven, we thank thee for the sense of expectancy so evident in this congregation tonight and we pray that thou catch up all who are warriors of prayer to make these next few moments an exercise of true intercession. That thy purpose may be fulfilled in the lives of men and women here tonight that thy word be made clear, that Jesus be made real, that men and women who've come here tonight perplexed or bewildered or even sad or bound and shackled by sin or temptation may be led into that glorious liberty of the children of God, that blessed assurance and Christian certainty, the heritage of every truly born-again soul. We ask it for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. We sang just now, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Now I'm just wondering how many of you really meant those words from the very depth of your being. This wasn't just formal singing. This wasn't just participation in a song service. This was in fact your personal experience. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I was involved in quite a discussion this past week. As a matter of fact it happened only yesterday. I didn't ask for it but I met a relations man and a lawyer. I overheard their conversation. The man who was in public relations happened to say What we need today to clean up our city is more religion. The lawyer said, no, not religion. We want more reason. Ah, said the lawyer to him, listen here. The only reason why you talk about reason is that you want to escape religion. Now come up, face it, face it. You know, this man got quite cross. And I saw a situation arising where some embarrassment, my might prevail so I just very calmly said listen here I'm a parson here I'll take up the collection if necessary <laughs> that smashed up the spirit of antagonism and we really got down to brass tacks as we say in England and began to talk about this whole matter of religion and the lawyer who was contending for reason said to me he said well you see religion is merely an escape of words from something you can never know and I thought to myself I know why God gave me a text for Sunday night called Christian certainty or blessed assurance religion an escape of words from something or someone you cannot know what did the Apostle Paul mean when he said I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I trust the impact I made upon this dear lawyer has brought him here tonight and if he's here I know that he knows what I'm talking about for I shared it already if he isn't I hope he's going to come because I just want to say this that the Christian experience that we're talking about here is not mere, nebulous woolly thinking it's knowledge, it's positive certainty I'll never forget a friend of mine who was a great open-air preacher. He used to go out onto the promenade of a South Sea county. That is to say a South Coast, I should say, county, where he could preach in the open air every summer. The hecklers used to come around and very often try just to put him off his stroke, embarrass him, touch him with words. But he was a very clever man of God who had much wisdom in handling these men one day he was preaching on this very subject of assurance this subject of certainty absolute certainty the man in the audience shouted out but how can you know you just can't know I'm an agnostic and I've proved through my reading that you just cannot know but you know he wouldn't let him speak he just kept shouting you cannot know so my dear friend thought you'd let him have a shout He pushed his hand into his pocket and he pulled out a luscious orange. He let this man babble on while he peeled the orange quite deliberately and slowly. He put the pieces in his pocket so as not to be charged with casting debris all around the place. He split open the orange and he took piece by piece and chewed it right in the face of this man. Every now and again this man went and went on babbling you know, he couldn't help it. Presently, he smacked his lips, did my friend. My, he said, that was good. My, don't think I've ever tasted an orange quite like that. You know that was good. That was good. Well how do I know, said the man. Well I know, said the preacher, how do you know he said I've got inside information (laughs) men and women I stand here tonight having crossed the Atlantic to become the pastor of this church at the call of God because I know and I know because I have inside information when I stand with the apostle Paul I mean I know him whom i have believed and i'm persuaded that he is able to keep my deposit that which i have committed unto him against that day and i want you young people and older ones to follow me very closely tonight because i'm sure that if i were to sit alongside of some of you here tonight and asked you whether you knew positively certainly that you are ready for that coming day of which paul speaks that your deposit was already committed to him, that you were sure against that day of judgment, your answer would be, well, sir, I hope so. Sir, I wish it would so. Sir, I want it to be so. But you can't say, I know. I know. Well, follow me, my friend. And I trust that as the Spirit of God breathes upon this page and upon this audience, you who at at the moment are dithering about this, halting twixt two opinions, may truly know. I want us to see tonight that this blessed assurance is a faith, a faith which is reposed in a person that you can know. A person that you can know. Secondly, this blessed assurance is a faith that you can repose in a purpose that you can trust. And thirdly, I want you to notice that this blessed assurance is the faith which rests in a power that you can prove. For Paul speaks of all these three things right here in this verse. First of all, a person that you can know. I know him. I like the revised version there. I know him. Him whom I have believed or I have trusted and who is this person listen listen to the verse according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the epiphany the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So many people try to tell us that God is unknowable. When Huxley invented the word agnosticism, which was just an explanation for ignorance, it was because the man tried to find God in his own way and God has declared there's only one way of knowing him and that is through his blessed son Jesus Christ. It's the savior who said, no man knoweth the father save the son and he to whom the son will reveal him. It's Jesus who said, no man cometh unto the father but by me. And no amount of intellectual pride, no amount of intellectual exertion, no amount of intellectual research can ever search out or find out God. God has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ and he's knowable personally savingly in Christ and I want us to see at this Christmas time just how God has made himself known to men and women and how you tonight can know him God in Christ notice in these verses here first of all how this God of eternity who had discussed this great purpose and work and activity of grace with his beloved son before the world began decided on a moment when he would invade the earth itself this planet itself and he came and it's called the epiphany the appearing it's the Greek word there the epiphany which sweeps the entire span of our Savior's life from his incarnation to the moment of his intercession in heaven which goes on even now let's consider it for a moment here it is right here but now is made manifest by the appearing of our savior Jesus Christ who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel all the great scholars take this to mean the entire sweep of the manifestation of God in Christ the entire sweep of the great epiphany first his coming his incarnation. Ladies and gentlemen, London, New York are alive with Christmas. You can't walk down any street without remembering that it's Christmas. It's called to mind vividly. Alas, alas, so much of it is glamorized and commercialized, but nonetheless, it presupposes a fact, a fact of history, indisputable unchallengeable that jesus came and was born at bethlehem of judea god contracted to the span of a woman's womb and was born as a little baby bethlehem it's a fact of history you can't deny it it's there oh that god might help us in these days to bring Christ back into Christmas. And remember, this is not just a commercial stunt, this is the celebration of the most mighty event that ever took place in human history. God was manifested in the flesh. Without controversy, says the Apostle Paul in this same epistle, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Did you say that he can't be known? Paul says I know him. I know him. How do you know Paul? How do you know? I know by his incarnation. He was born as a babe. He was born as a babe. The pre-existent, the eternal son of God became a little baby, was born at Bethlehem of Judea. Yes he can be known. Paul says something more, not only is he known through his incarnation the mighty, mighty words, the mighty, mighty works of our Lord Jesus Christ and indeed his very walk from the moment he was a little boy right through to his manifestation on the banks of Jordan for the great purpose of redemption through the three and a half years to his death. We watch him. He walks the streets of Palestine. He touches the heads of little children. He breaks the bread. He feeds the hungry. Yes. He heals the sick, He raises the dead. He speaks silence to the angry waves. He teaches His own disciples. He kneels low at their feet and washes His disciples' feet and wipes those feet with the towel wherewith He was girded. Facts! Facts! Incidents! throughout the ministrations of our Lord Jesus Christ whether the ministration of his walk whether the ministration of his word whether the ministration of his work they all comprise the mighty epiphany the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ and no unprejudiced mind no unprejudiced mind can fail to see Jesus he can be known he came to reveal God he came to manifest God in this great epiphany, this mighty appearing. Yes, says Paul, I know him. Why? I know him through his incarnation. I know him through his ministration. I know him, says the apostle Paul. Why? Because he was the son of man who said, I came not to be ministered ministered unto, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. The ministration of the son of god but listen paul says i know him how through his crucifixion yes the one who was born at bethlehem the one who lived those thirty and three years died a felon's death he was crucified at calvary's cross cruel men took him to the tree they nailed him to that roman gibbet and he hangs there the son of god why does he cry father father forgive them for I know not what for I they know not what they do why does he cry my God my God why hast thou forsaken me why does he cry I thirst why are those seven cries from the cross why turn back into your Bible pause a moment and remember our Savior who abolished death, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What was he doing at Calvary? What was he doing at Calvary? It says here that he abolished death. He rendered death powerless. He took the sting out of death. He made death to become nothing more than a shadow through which the Christian believer may pass into the glory of the beyond. How did he extract the sting out of death? Listen again, listen again. God, God was in Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. How? I'll tell you, I'll tell you. By, by making him to be sinned us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him in that act at Calvary's cross in that crucifixion which no mind can finally penetrate in that moment of time when he cried my God my God why hast thou forsaken me he took sin out of death the very sting of sin out of death for The sting of death is sin and where did he take it? He took it to himself and he bore your penalty and my penalty on the cross. He died the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. He bore the penalty of a righteous holy God against sin in utter willingness to his father's will. Yes he died that we might be forgiven. He died to make us good that we might go at last to heaven saved by his precious blood. Paul says I know him. I know him. Why? Because of his incarnation. I know him. I know him. Why? Because of his ministration. I know him. I know him. Why? Because of his crucifixion. That's where he abolished death. That's where he made an open show. Of the principalities and powers of death that's where he nailed the whole sin question to the cross that's where he who took upon him not the flesh of other than the sons of Abraham yes not the flesh of angels but the flesh of humans like you and me and having become a man yes he humbled himself even to the death of the cross why? That he might overcome him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver them who through bondage to death were all their lifetime subject to fear, subject to slavery. He abolished death. But is that all? No, says Paul. I know something more. I know him because of his resurrection. I know him because of his resurrection. He rose from the dead the third day. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and the third day he rose again, says the Apostle Paul. It's an indisputable fact. It's a fact that can't be denied. It's historic. It's as historic as anything which has ever been established. He rose again. He lives. Jesus Christ lives. The Son of God was horizon, says the Apostle Paul. Why and how? By the spirit of holiness. And the resurrection from the dead. He rose from the dead. Paul says I know. I know he's alive. How do I know he's alive? Why? Because I've seen him. I've met him. I've encountered him. The risen son of God. Jesus Christ has become to me a living savior. For me. Living is Christ himself. Yes I know him. I know him. He's brought light life and light into actuality through the gospel yes life and incorruption or immortality to light through the gospel why because he's died and he's risen again because he lives you can live because he lives you can receive life and because you receive life that's a guarantee of your incorruption that's a guarantee of your immortality That's a guarantee that you'll stand one day with a body just like our Lord Jesus Christ and the whole sweep of the epiphany, the whole appearing of Jesus Christ by his incarnation, his ministration, his crucifixion, his resurrection has brought a shed of light through the gospel to men and women who are in darkness. Can you know him? Oh, I can know him, says Paul. I know him because of his birth at Bethlehem. I know him because of his life in Palestine. I know him because of his death on the cross. I know him because he rose again. I know him because of his exaltation. For this same Jesus who was raised from the dead hath God highly exalted says the Apostle Paul having died the death of the cross God highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's alive and he's enthroned says the apostle Paul and I know it. I know it. There's something more than that not his exaltation only but the fact that he's at the throne of heaven interceding interceding even as we preach here tonight there's a prayer meeting going on in heaven A prayer meeting for you, my friend, a prayer meeting for me. Yes, Jesus is there interceding. For if Paul is the writer of the epistle to the Hebrews or whoever writes it, there is this wonderful thought that he, having been raised from the dead, ever liveth to make intercession for us. You see that entire sweep, the sevenfold manifestation of the epiphany, his incarnation, his ministration, his crucifixion his resurrection, his exaltation, and his intercession and that's the mighty work of God. We're looking forward to yet another experience, the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ at his second advent. And somebody says to me, but you can't know God, can you not? God has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. This was his purpose of grace before the worlds were ever founded, before this planet became ever habitable. Yes, God had His purpose to manifest and reveal His Son to men and women in order that He might be known. For to know Jesus is to know God. And Paul says, I know. I know. I know Him. I know Him in whom I have believed. Have you have you known him let me put it this way do you know him you can tonight you can tonight for the Lord Jesus Christ is right here nearer than the very breath you breathe he's at the door of your heart and he quietly knocks upon that door and he says if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To receive this wonderful Christ into your heart and life, my friend, is to know him. Is to know him. Experimentally. And to know him is to know God. This is life eternal, says the Apostle John. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Isn't it wonderful? You can know him tonight. Blessed assurance. Blessed assurance is the faith which knows the person of God in Jesus Christ. In this wonderful epiphany and appearing he has manifested himself to all who want to know him. But you know blessed assurance goes further than that. Assurance isn't a matter merely of knowledge, assurance is a matter also of trust. And faith is not only rested in the knowledge of God. Faith is rested also in the experience of the purpose of God. Not only knowing the person of God, but secondly, trusting the purpose of God. And what is the purpose of God? Look at this who has saved us and called us with an holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. My mind has been sheer reeling during this week as I've been thinking of the wonder of this fact that long before this universe was in existence, before the constellation of planets was ever thrown out into space to be held there by the outgoing of God's energy before this tiny wee little speck of a planet was ever designed and became habitable for you and I to live upon before these great movements of God in universe activity ever were conceived he had a purpose behind that even and it was a purpose of grace for you and for me think of it, think of it Oh my, how this makes me worship. What was that purpose? Oh so simple and yet so wonderful. The purpose was this, that he might save me. Secondly, that he might call me. It was a purpose first of all of personal salvation and then secondly of personal vocation. First of personal salvation and Paul knew all about this. Paul knew all about this. He was a brilliant student Right there at the feet of Gamaliel he had learned everything he wanted to learn. He could have been one of the greatest rabbis the world has ever heard of. He was a man so steeped in religion that when he caught fire by and by he hadn't to memorize any further the Old Testament. He knew it through and through. But with all his religion, with all his zeal, with all his brilliant mastery of words, whether it was in the Hebrew, whether it was in the Latin. Or whether it was in the Greek, whether it was in any of the vernacular, this man Paul, this man Paul, then Saul, didn't know Christ. He didn't know Christ and he didn't know salvation. He didn't know what it was to be saved until that momentous occasion. That momentous occasion when on the Damascus road God met with him in Jesus Christ by an invasion from heaven and a light would shine above the meridian sun. Paul net crossed. He heard a voice and the voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the goads. And his plaintive response was, Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Back came the response, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And you know Paul looking back upon that experience in this very same epistle. The first epistle, he says this, Christ Jesus came into the world. It's a faithful saying, don't mistake it. It's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save what? To save sinners. Of whom I, says the apostle Paul, am chief. I am chief. He knew what it was. He knew what it was to be a sinner. He knew the depravity of his own heart. He knew that beneath his culture, he knew that beneath his intellect, he knew that beneath his wonderful, wonderful knowledge of Old Testament scriptures, beneath his religion, beneath his respectability, was a tiger heart, a sinful heart, and he needed to be saved, and he of all men was a sinner. And Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and he remembers the moment when he met Jesus Christ as Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, The very purpose of Christmas is to remind us, listen, that the one who came to Bethlehem came to be born and was given a name at birth, that the world might know that the purpose of God in Christmas was to bring a gift from heaven, even a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, said the angel to Joseph concerning Mary. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins and just to think of it just to think of it long 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 myriads of eternities before the world was ever made fashioned and flung into space God's purpose and grace in Christ Jesus was that you might be saved isn't that wonderful isn't that wonderful have you been saved have you been saved here is a person you can know god even our savior here is a purpose that you can trust what is it your personal salvation is that all no something more something infinitely more not only your personal salvation my friend but your personal vocation who has saved us and called us and called us with an holy calling God has called us, God has called us to be a holy people. God has called us to a holy task. God has called us to a holy life. God has called us to be just like himself. Be ye holy, he says, for I am holy. My friend, that catches up not only my character, but my conduct. That catches up not only my character and my conduct, but my very commission. It may be in the office. It may be in the lecture room. It may be as a housewife in the home, it may be a missionary on the field, but it's a holy calling, a wonderful calling, a task, a job, a position that God thought of long before you were ever born. Long before the world was ever made, God had a purpose of grace in Christ for you and for me. He, the great workmanship, had already seen men and women here tonight, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which he hath before prepared that we should walk in them. The thing makes me worship. I just cannot wonder at it enough. It staggers me that God should set his love upon me, that God should think of me, that God should have me in his purpose. Can I do anything else but trust it? Can I do anything else but trust it? And so in this blessed assurance we have not only a faith that knows the person of God, not only a faith, listen carefully, not only a faith that trusts the purpose of God, which is one, personal salvation, your personal salvation, two, your personal vocation, but blessed assurance is a faith that proves the power of God. For he says, I know whom I have believed, Yes, and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed to him, deposited in him, against that day. There are two things that I'm concerned about. And the more I think about it, I find that this sums up everything. And doubtless, that's why Paul talks about it. Two great things that I'm concerned about at this moment. I'm saved, thank God. I know that. I know God in Jesus Christ, that's wonderful but there are two things left that I want to be sure about, two things, my ministry and my destiny. I know where I am at the moment, I'm here at Calvary Baptist Church. I know that I'm saved. I know that grace has met me but there are two things I want guarded, there are two things I want preserved, there are two things I want shielded, there are two things I want to feel are absolutely safe and I'll tell you what they are. One is my ministry and the other is my destiny. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. God had entrusted to him a ministry and he talks about it before and after this verse. And all the commentators believe that the first reference here of the deposit is not only the deposit that Paul had put into the hands of God, but the deposit that God had put into the hands of Paul. And he says, I am prepared to trust God to keep my ministry that ministry that trust which he has deposited in me lest i go astray lest i lose as i lose my balance lest i bring the name of my lord into the dust lest in the world in which I live with all that's happening around me says the apostle Paul and he sees the gathering clouds the whole epistle is a warning to the young epistle the young Timothy rather lest he should bend under the strain of it he says right Lord right to the end of my day until I have finished my course and I've kept the faith I want you I want you to keep My deposit, this ministry which you've committed to me, this task that you've given me to do, help me to do it right through to my dying moment until I finish. Keep it Lord, keep it. And he says, I know and I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which he hath committed unto me. Revised version. That which he hath committed unto me. But there's something else here. And a lot of the commentators take it the other way, for both ways can be read. That which I have committed unto him, authorized version. And I see in that not only my ministry which God is preserving in me, but my destiny which God is preserving yonder in heaven for me. I don't want to be worried about the future. Oh, you people, you dear New York people, you who thousands of others pushing your way down the streets with fears and frustrations and terrors in your heart about tomorrow. My dear friend I was saying earlier this afternoon that when I heard your own Alan Dulles talking about the challenge of Soviet Russia and when I read the manuscript of that very sobering and salutary address that he gave when he warned some of the men at the top of management throughout the entire United States that we aren't going into a third world war, we're in it. At this very hour, we're fighting the biggest battle the world has ever known. We're in a war. We're actually in the third world war now. An awful shiver went down my back. I thought, here is a statesman. Here is the man at the top of all the intelligence of the whole of the United States. There's no more informed man outside of your president other than Alan Dulles. And he says we are in the midst of another third world war. We might not be hearing the bombs. In fact we would never hear them. The button would be released and that would be the end. The dissolution of your whole country. No hope whatsoever. The end of so-called civilization. But we're still in a war, and perhaps a more subtle war. It's a psychological war. It's a philosophical war. It's an economic war. It's a war of ideology. It's a war that's winning fast against the so-called Christian church today, if we don't look out And an awful shiver came down my back and I thought, where do we go from here, Lord? Where do we go from here? It was so comforting to come back to a verse like this and to look up to heaven and say, I know him whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep my deposit, not only my ministry, thank God, but my destiny against that day. My only concern is for lost men and women today. My only concern is for great New York City. I have a concern for my little children who are not old enough yet to understand the world into which they've been born. And my concern is that I should shape their little lives in order to stand the inrush of this awful godless age into which we're moving, yes I'm concerned about that, but I have no concern whatever about myself, not one tiny little bit, why? Because he's got my ministry and he's got my destiny right in his hand. God hath the whole world in his hand and in that world is a little speck and that's me and I'm there and I've got no fear, why? Because I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded, persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. The power that I'm prepared to prove, the person I know, the purpose I trust, the power I prove. The person I know, my God, revealed in the appearing of Jesus Christ as my Savior and Master. The purpose I trust, his saving purpose, his calling purpose, saved out of a life of sin, called to a life of holiness. The power I prove, what is it, that he is able to keep both my ministry and my destiny right through until that day of judgment that's blessed assurance that's blessed assurance can you say that blessed assurance jesus is mine can you say i know can you say i know you see my friend we end where we started i have inside information have you have you Tonight you can know the person of God. Tonight you can trust the purpose of God. Tonight you can prove the power of God. How? How? Listen. In Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his person, his purpose, His power are made available. And that blessed Son of God is standing right at the door of your life. And the language I repeat is this. Behold I risen from the dead stand at the door and knock. If any fellow if any girl if any man any woman hear my voice and open the door I will come in. Will you let him in? Will you let him in right now? Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh, we pray thee upon this audience, and seal with thine own self every true response to the challenge of the gospel and grant that from this audience tonight men and women who came in nebulous bewildered perplexed doubtful may go out into the darkness of this night with a radiant certainty and joy because we ask it for jesus christ's sake amen this is david olford you have been listening to a message from God's Word delivered by my late father, Dr. Stephen F. Olford, who went to be with the Lord in the year 2004. If you wish to learn about our online resources or learning events at the Institute for Biblical Preaching, our web address is olford.org. That's olfor dot org. You also may want to benefit from our online video training on expository preaching, which can also be found on our website. Thank you so much for listening.